The future of multilateral trade implications for India. In conversation with Syed Akbaruddin, Dean of Kotilia School of Public Policy and a former diplomat. Conclusions paper, December 2022. With many countries turning protectionist, the focus of trade negotiations has shifted from multilateral to regional and bilateral deals. This spells a very different future for the global trade regime governing both goods and services. On its part, India seeks to become more assertive on issues of importance to it. More liberal visa regimes for its workers, easier IP norms for drugs and technology products, financial support for pursuing multilateral goals with respect to climate change, etc. At the same time, nations are linking economic and geopolitical considerations in ways that they have never did before. The two are no longer compartmentalized. To arrive at a considered perspective on the subject, we invited Ambassador Asayed Akbaruddin, a former diplomat with considerable multilateral experience and expertise and currently the Dean of the Cotillier School of Public Policy, to address a recent joint session of the India CEO, CFO and CHRO forums in Hyderabad. Ambassador Akbaruddin shared insights on the evolving multilateral trade landscape, the risks and opportunities arising from a confluence of economic and geopolitical factors and the implications for India. Globalization under the scanner. Globalization is one of the distinguishing features of our times. Trade flourished after the Second World War, growing at approximately 8% a year for the 25 years under GATT. From about 10% in the mid-1940s, trade, defined as exports plus imports as a share of global GDP, currently stands at between 50% and 60%, depending on the source of data. Since the inception of the WTO in 1995, the number of regional trade agreements has jumped from 55 to 355. By some measures, such as the trade in goods, globalization peaked in 2008 and had stagnated since then. However, this is perhaps misleading because particularly in the early 2000s, the trade in services, especially commercial services like accounting, digital education, etc., have been growing much faster averaging approximately 12% than the mercantile trade. Critics of globalization argue that it has done little or nothing to reduce income inequality. Between 1988 and 2008, the world's top 1% saw a 70% increase in their assets, compared to a median growth of approximately 30% and less than 5% for the world's poorest. Today, the top 1% own 40% of the global net personal wealth, while the poorest 50% own less than 5%. These figures are little changed since 1995 and the societal inequity remains intact. On the other hand, globalization is associated with a reduction in absolute poverty. From 1.8 billion in 1981, the number of poor fell to 600 million in 2018. A corroding global trading system. In the last 100 years, there has been only one instant of reverse globalization which occurred between the two world wars. The pandemic has created new uncertainties about the forward path for world trade, which is expected to grow by just 1% this year. However, over the medium term, there are several reasons to believe that trade flows and even globalization may stagnate. The current corrosion of global trade can be attributed to multiple factors. First, 
the WTO has been unable to fulfill its core mandate. The Doha round of talks commenced in 2001 but failed after more than 14 years of protracted negotiations. This was because, first and most importantly, certain countries kept changing their goalposts, which other countries were unwilling to accept. Second, countries are increasingly engaging in trade weaponization. China, for instance, placed restrictions on Australian imports owing to Australia's support for a WHO committee to understand the origins of COVID-19. In another case, China crushed Mercedes-Benz's radial imports from Lithuania in an effort to put Lithuania for deepening its ties with Taiwan. Third, the pandemic has rekindled protectionist sentiments, leading to new restrictions on the movement of goods and services. Fourth, as a result of the Russia-Ukraine war, the number of sanctions imposed on Russia has ballooned, from approximately 2,000 in March 2022 to over 10,000 today. Keeping aside the moral reasons for the imposition of fresh sanctions, this has adversely impacted the global trade. If sanctions were earlier used as channels of interdependence, today they have been fully weaponized and this will have repercussions. Climate-related concerns are also weighing on the outlook for globalization. Starting in 2026, Europe will adopt a new CBAM, Carbon Border Adjustment Mechanism, in a phased manner imposing tariffs on the basis of a product's carbon content. The money raised from these tariffs will be used to make industry in importing countries zero carbon. This will incentivize carbon-friendly practices but shrink imports from polluting countries. Finally, trade linkages are being reimagined through a mix of onshoring, reshoring and friendshoring. Some of these arrangements are not economically efficient but are born of geopolitical concerns. French-owning has, for instance, increased trade and FDI flows between the EU and America at the expense of China-US flows. India, underperforming on trade. India has done well to attract FDI, which grew from just approximately USD 2 billion in 1995 to USD 44 billion last year. However, its performance on the trade front has been middling. It accounts for approximately 1.8% of global exports, up from 0.6% in 1995, but largely stagnant in the recent years, and ranks 18th, up from 31st in value terms. India's weak performance becomes obvious when comparing it with other emerging economies. All of Asian countries run a trade surplus ranging from 1.3% of value of exports, Vietnam and Thailand, to 20.4%, Malaysia, but India runs a large deficit of approximately negative 44.8%. Mexico and South Korea have a smaller GDP than India's, but export more in absolute terms. The other Asian countries, which are a fraction of India's size, have exports worth between 58% Indonesia and 85% Vietnam of India's exports. In terms of electronic exports, China, in 2020, shipped out 81 times as much as India did, and even Vietnam, which stood at 80% of India's level in 2001, now exports 11 times as much. Bangladesh and Vietnam now ship over twice as many clothes as India, but 20 years ago, their exports were 90% and 30% respectively of India's. The causes of this underperformance are clear. India has been and remains a highly protectionist country. 
Its competitors are far more open to trade. For instance, India has just four FTAs with its top 20 importers compared to 14 for South Korea and 16 for Vietnam. This makes a huge difference to trade outcomes. In value terms, Vietnam's electronic exports are 9.2 times that of India, but 66% of these exports go to its FTA partners, compared to just 14% for India. India's tariff structure remains prohibitive. Just 1.8% of its tariff lines are eligible for 0% duty. Its average tariff on non-agricultural products stood at 14.9% in 2021, compared to 0% in Hong Kong and Singapore, 4.8% in Taiwan, 6.5% in China, and 8.4% in Vietnam. Walking away from RCEP Two years ago, India declined to join the RCEP, Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, for a variety of reasons. First, it had and has a massive trade deficit with RCEP as a group. Currently, approximately USD 160 billion, including approximately USD 48.7 billion deficit just with China. Second, India's average tariff rate, 17.6% on RCEP countries, and that on non-agricultural imports, 14.2%, were well above the expected range. Further, India was asked to reduce its tariff rates from 2014 levels instead of 2019, which would have meant much steeper cuts. Third, India deemed unsatisfactory safeguards against imports from China, the country that is expected to be the biggest beneficiary from this agreement. Fourth, India was unable to secure greater market access for its services exports, which are its main differentiator. It failed to secure clearer mechanisms to address non-tariff measures. In sum, even as RCEP may have been beneficial in some respects, the cons outweighed the pros. The Forward View for India In the last 100 years, only a handful of Asian countries have achieved 8-10% to 10% rates of GDP growth for approximately 30 years at a stretch. Driving this growth, in every instance, was rapid export growth spurred by a globalizing world economy. Subsequently, however, their growth rates and share of world trade either stagnated or grew much slowly, which suggests that breakneck growth cannot be sustained indefinitely. Historically, India too has grown fastest when it has opened itself up to trade. But its overall thrust has been protectionist. Going forward, India will need to work at integrating itself with global value chains. Increasingly, however, these value chains will be shaped by factors other than efficiency and cost. And French shoring will be an important consideration. India must additionally seek to sign FTAs with its largest trade partners, including the EU. The ongoing negotiations of the India-UK FTA are on a positive footing and likely to yield substantial gains for India. A successful conclusion to these talks will be a big step in the right direction for Indian trade. 